Headnoise official would like to thank Admino. Admino is a cloud-based platform created by the Grow2 company and our producer, Mark Webb. It is the smartest and easiest way to deliver your business's inductions, staff training, and policies and procedures. Create a smart and safe culture within your business with Admino. Check out www.admino.com. That's A-D-M-I-N-O-H, Admino. Head Noise Official is a raw, passionate, and sometimes emotional conversation around life's challenges, not limited to, but including mental health, speaking up, getting help, safety in numbers, and empowering each other to do better. Our mission is to empower all individuals from all walks of life to speak up and evolve through conversation. We all bleed red and often share similar struggles. Our vision is to create and grow conversations around difficult subjects hoping to empower as many individuals as possible to seek help when they need it. We're here to help people, to inspire underprivileged youth of today and to strive for success and break cycles. If I can do it, anyone can. And I'm your host, Ben Jobson. Hey, we're here again, Head Noise Official, sitting down with Maddie Ivert. Welcome, Maddie. Hi, good to be here. Yeah, lovely to see you. Hank's here with us today. Hank's the... Uh, Resident Red Kelpie, looking very healthy and sprightly today. <laughs> Webby's in the room as well. Mark, how you going? Good, guys. Nice to meet you, Maddie. Yeah, looking you forward too. To it. Um, it's been a couple of weeks to put this together, I guess, Maddie. Um, just so the listeners know, you're a, a mental health accredited social worker with, a, right. with an interest in the area of youth. That's right, yes. Hmm, yep. Interesting job. Mm-hmm. Keep you busy. It definitely keeps me busy, um, but I love what I do, and you know, social work is a great career for me, and mental health is definitely my area of interest. So, yeah. Has that always been your sort of your calling, or where you've settled out of university, or was there other areas beforehand that you sort of studied? So no, I've always leaned towards like the social work, community services area, and I think you know, I, I definitely remember the time where I, you know, figured out that I wanted to head in that direction. I definitely was one of those kids that was a little bit naughty, a little bit rebellious, like definitely didn't um, play by the rules very often as a kid. Um, So I felt like I, you know, really maybe could relate to some of the kids going through a bit more of those hard times. I sat down with my mum and we pulled out like the jobs guide and we went through it and she's like, Maddie, you need to choose something. Like you can't do nothing for everyone. I was like, oh God, okay, here we go. We're having this chat. Um, So yeah, I just like looked in the jobs guide and I was like, oh look, I don't hate the idea of community services. So then I enrolled myself in a certificate at TAFE and yeah, from there I did my community services studies and went on to do social work. So that's kind of how it happened. One of those kind of situations where you're like, oh, I definitely fell into it. It it fits right for me, but it was a bit of an unconventional start, I guess. Obviously very happy with that decision though, like you wouldn't change it for the world. Oh, absolutely not. I feel like it definitely resonates with me Um, and I I don't want to be that kind of guy who's like, well, you know, I, I feel like it's it's all about me giving back and the focus is on me. It's definitely not like that at all. It really feels to me like I get a lot of fulfillment and a lot of meaning from the work that I do. And it's, you know, definitely alongside the, the kids that I work with, not me administering an intervention. It's like a collaborative relationship. And I love that about it. 
it's really powerful and I, and I think we've chatted about it before Webby when you get to that stage of your life when you actually feel reward from helping other people mm. and for me personally I probably was never like that until I got to my early 30s and then I was always battling 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 thinking oh why would I help someone I've got my own issues but I think it's you're helping other people but you're also helping yourself mm-hmm. if you ever have things that you need to unpack or you ever have some struggles yourself I think the best way is when you know where one of the guys at footy comes up and oh I'm struggling with this and you start thinking about it and you're processing it and it's helping you mm-hmm. does it do you feel it keeps you obviously there'd be there'd be some ups and downs and some other some things that would be struggles with it but do you feel it keeps you pretty grounded I think so and I think in doing a lot of like the training and things that I've been through it's one of those things like you can reflect on and be like oh you know yeah I definitely could benefit from this or like oh that really relates to my situation Um, but I guess like you're evolving and you're developing as a person when you work alongside people that go through such hardship and I think it's really important to keep yourself as you say grounded but also like learning from the people that you're working with you can never know everything Mm. and you need to continuously be open to receiving like different life lessons from the people that you work with it's like you never I never go to work and and not learn something in a day yeah it's definitely one of those jobs so and is there trying to find the right words is there an area or obviously mental health is a very broad umbrella is there a particular area or passion within that space that you really are passionate about or that you really enjoy the most or is um I'm struggling to find the right words. If yeah, that no, makes you're doing sense. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, for sure, area of interest is obviously working with young people. Kids are my favourite. Um, I have always really been drawn to working with um, complex PTSD or trauma. Um, those that kind of area is my, I guess, where I focus the most in terms of my study, but also my work experience. Um, so, I guess you know. Anything related to complexity, anything related to trauma, I just love to get my hands into and, and work um, in that space, I would say. Can we can we break down PTSD a little bit? Yeah. Because I, I feel like, you know, really when when you hear PTSD, the first thing people will think straight away is military. 100%. Right. Yeah, right. That's what I said right. before, yeah. 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 So military is the first thing that comes to mind, but maybe a lot of people probably don't understand that that's not exactly what PTSD is or even breaking down, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's post-traumatic stress disorder. Right, yeah. Small, only a small element of a broader... Yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. So could you break that down a little bit for me and yeah. oh, and, and Ben? I well, know Ben's a lot smarter than me, so he probably knows. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> can we break that down? And, and, and uh, obviously we can't go into specific details about a person or anything like mm-hmm. that, but maybe some broad kind of topics or something sure Uh, yeah yeah so obviously right yeah post-traumatic stress disorder yeah um so ptsd like usually you think about it you think about war you think about like you know the term shell shock you know that whole thing um kind of is the first thing that people usually go to so like that makes sense Mm. it's a little bit more i guess broad than that and you i guess pairing it right back so if you experience trauma in its essence um, that is where you find something um, completely overwhelming for your body to deal with firstly so your body is unable to make sense of the situation and it's something that you potentially can shut down from 
or not have the capacity to really remain in the moment. So it can be any experience that is overwhelming and seen to be traumatic. So that, you know, yes, being shot at for sure fits into that category, but also things like physical violence in a relationship falls into that category or, you know, um, sexual abuse falls into that category. Even grief and loss can fall into that category. It's really dependent on the person and the way that the person is relating to what's going on. Um, Can failure and um, disappointment fall into that? Look, I don't. I don't know. I'm not not like the be-all and end-all expert, but I don't think so because I think it's more around like you feel like there is a situation at hand. There is nothing controllable about it. Your system is shutting down. You know, it's it's almost like you're unable to tolerate and deal with that situation, and so then you have a trauma response to it. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what what would be like a trauma response? Is in like, um, what you start having flashbacks of that situation, or you, you can, yeah, or you sort of your emotions close down, or yeah, what what? Do you yeah, mean? there's a lot of different ways that someone can um, have symptoms of PTSD or trauma symptoms. Um, what I really like to focus on is the way that the body holds on to trauma. So you can have, um, so I guess, have you guys heard of the fight flight response? Yeah, before? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, it's kind of, yeah, so fight flight, constant fight flight is mm. a response to trauma. So your body is on high alert, constantly looking for danger. Yeah. And so then with that, you can have muscle aches, you can have symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome, yeah. you know, you can have flashbacks and things like that, which are more of the cognitive symptoms, but it's it's all very much like integrated and you can experience a wide range of symptoms with it. It's very, um, yeah, depending on the type of trauma that you experience, it can relate. You know, if you have a... Um, you know, domestic violence situation, for example, maybe then you get really hyper vigilant around men, or you know, if you had it from a woman, then a woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's it's very much um, unique to the person, but it can affect everything head to toe, physiologically, mentally, emotionally. You know, it can mm-hmm. be really, really taxing on people. So it's funny that you mentioned the the fight or flight I often use the term cut and run yeah and I'm yeah. <clears throat> I'm a classic cut and runner from yeah. from sort of my childhood yeah and it's still something that I struggle with today yeah because things get hard and I'll just I'm I'll I'll just say fuck all of you yeah. and I'll go yeah and that's it's yeah it's yeah. funny how different people carry it around in in different forms hey Totally. It's so diverse, the way that you can experience trauma. And it sounds like there's almost like a bit of avoidance maybe with you. If there's something overwhelming going on, like, no, I'm out of here. And that seems to be for you like a way to be self-preserving. 100% because because you're not, you know in yourself that the other alternative is to be vulnerable. Yeah. And that's a lot harder as a as a you know traditional sort of steadfast man it's a lot harder to be vulnerable than it is just to go walls up mm-hmm. see ya mm-hmm. you know it's it's a very absolutely. different very different way of dealing with things yeah it's absolutely terrifying to be vulnerable yeah. <laughs> unless you have someone who is like you know teaching you about i guess the importance of you know emotional intelligence or learning about your emotions like it's really hard to be like oh what i'm feeling might be fear or what i'm feeling might be sadness and identifying and connecting with that is 
mortifying, you know, mm. and totally, you know, totally challenging for people that have never done it before. Mm. It is one of the one of the hard things, definitely. It's also you also need to have that willingness to be, and I guess accountability to want to stand up and mm. instead of putting your emotional baggage out, we're actually dealing with it and trying to process it and unpack it, mm. take the weight off your shoulders. Hey, whether you're not um, yeah. carrying it around with you forever, it's really interesting. Mm. Yeah, I can relate to that. I reckon I was a bit the same. Yeah, when it, things got a bit tough, you just yeah, cut and run. Mm. Get well, we we sort of spoke openly about relationships. Yeah, hey, you yeah. said to me, you're always looking for that breakup point. So that that's that mindset, you know. Was, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 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 you'd already been through it so many times, you're kind of like, oh, okay. And then you're looking at those moments of like, oh, well, I look back at this moment and think I should have just done it then. You yeah, know? yeah. So you're constantly always thinking about you know the negative side of it. Yeah, yeah. which I mean like really kind of connects into like I guess the way that the the way that our past experiences then shape very much relationally mm. um how we are as people in our adult lives like mm. you know if you're looking for the end of a relationship like what's informed that for you like mm. are you terrified of something to do with you know long-term relationships or is there something that you've gone through that makes it hard for you to be vulnerable as we were saying mm. you know it's it's almost like yeah, you have to um, be curious and open about, like, why am I responding like this? Like, mm. what's going on for me right now? And be curious rather than the typical response would be to, all right, bye, see you later, yeah. I'm out of here. And yeah. I kind of feel like all my relationships would get to that same point and then it was like kind of a, a staleness, you know, like apologise to any uh, ex-partners. That listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, you know, you know not a great relationship now and it's kind of, I look forward to, like, what the next mm. next thing is. And so... Yeah, and by no means so am I trying to claim like I was the best uh, one in the two of the relationship. But, yeah. yeah, it's very difficult. Like, if you're sort of always kind of used to it, it's kind of hard to sort of change your mind. Like, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So if someone else hasn't, isn't a little bit probably more emotionally aware or has been in a good relationship and they know how good it can be, it's hard to, you know, if you're both just banging heads, it doesn't really get anywhere. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, which, like, really connects to that, like, openness. Like, if you're both really curious and open, it can be such a rewarding experience to deep dive into that. Yeah. And be like, oh, hang on, like, I noticed that when you said that we should get married, all I wanted to do was run for the hills. Like, yeah. what's that about? Yeah, yeah. You know? Or even the opposite, like, we've been together for two weeks and I'm ready to have babies. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. it can be so different, your responses. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But isn't that what relationships are? You've got to be as crazy as each other yeah. for it to work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I always, I always say that crazy and great share the same sugar. Yeah. yeah. So well, they're neighbours, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like, you, yeah, if you're, like, on the same wavelength, if you have those same kind of shared ideas around it, you know, it can be, like, great and also very rewarding if you're open to it. Yeah. Because it's also that that team environment with your partner or in that relationship and that willingness to grow yeah. together. Yeah. If, yeah. One, if one person's doing all the work or one person's got their heels dug in, which is usually me, I'm stubborn as <laughs> the days long, but it does, it does take, it does take to be a team. Yeah. So I'm just liking it to, to my own relationship, obviously with Laura, having to, to be in that team and, and you know, like we said before, both be willing to do that work mm. and step forward. I'm, I'm quite often the stubborn one that doesn't want to, dig my heels in and I'm a bit I take a bit longer to process that mm. but I think to be completely honest and, and open about it for me my biggest issue was I felt like I spent 
ninety five percent of my childhood alone, mm-hmm. and I was always waiting for someone to let me down, and that's mm. that's my that's my cut and run trigger. Someone's yeah. let me down. I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. And it takes it's such it's such a, a long process to reprogram that, yeah. and I don't know. I mean, you take a lot of steps forward, but geez, I, I can't see that evolution and that learning stop. As you say, it's a it's a daily process, and I think it will be for the rest of my life yeah. until you you know you finally. I don't know if you ever. We you come to grips with it, but you just you have to slowly learn to process it differently, right? You can't you can't keep dancing one way and wonder why you're getting the same result. Mm. You've, you've got to start dancing a different way, hey? Yeah, and yeah. I think that's really awesome that you've identified that, right? Because not many people can make those connections. That's mm. a really hard thing to do, and like I really like the word you use around like processing and kind of almost rewiring the way that you would naturally start to think about you know, people are here to let me down, you know, people are here to, um, you know, there's there's nothing good that can come from this, um, to, okay, hang on a minute, like, what's the evidence that I've got in front of me that this person is 100% going to let me down, and how can I start to, like, almost challenge myself? I, like, talk to, sometimes I talk to the kids that I work with as though, like, because um, uh, some of the kids that I work with have... Um, experiences is when like the youth justice system and they have court cases and I'm like all right you know what we're gonna go to court I need your evidence for this thought I need your evidence against this thought and we're gonna come to like you know a reasonable rational kind of thought at the end so for example like you know if there's maybe a thought that I'm just gonna use your example like everyone in my life is gonna let me down you know all right what's the evidence for okay maybe you've been let down what's the evidence for that you know, someone is 100% going to let you down in the future. Oh, hang on, I don't think I've got any evidence to suggest that. But maybe what's the evidence against? I've got a really good friend who actually is always there for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So maybe we can start to see there's a bit more of a middle path or a bit more of a balanced way to see the situation rather than always going down that same road, which often leads you to having very destructive and damaging Mm -hmm. behavior and pushes people away rather than... What you actually want, which is connection and, cl- and closeness. Yeah. So I feel like it's you're at that point. That. Where you're like, let's let's fact check. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, that's yeah. exactly the yeah, that's right. Fact checking. So, yeah. Without what, just jumping to your conclusions or your perceptions of the the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that sometimes when I have conversations uh, with certain people, like you almost instantly go into a mindset before the conversation starts where you think it's just going to be negative and it's just mm. not going to get anywhere. And lo and behold, because you've gone into that conversation negatively, it ends up turning into a bit of a shit fight. Predetermined result. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. How do you change that? Oh, well. <laughs> Step one is yeah. identification. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And then, you know, it's exactly what we're saying, right? It's... Yeah. Um, Oh, there's totally a word for what you're describing and it's not, it's like not in my brain, it's going to come to me at a random point in this podcast for sure. But yeah, it's like almost like if you go into it with the expectation that something bad is going to happen, it totally is going to because, oh, um, like confirmation bias, basically. You look for all the negative things that are going on and then you disregard all the positives. You're like a loaded gun, aren't you? Exactly, yeah. And it's almost like you, you... I I think about like that in the context of 
maybe self-esteem is a good example like I'm gonna pay attention to all of the things that I really dislike about myself and all of the things that other people don't like about me but I'm gonna ignore all the things that people actually really value about me mm. and that I am capable of doing yeah so yeah. then my view of myself is gonna obviously be very negative yeah yeah which is definitely a little bit more uh, evident in your younger self that's mm. the way you look as, as you get older you kind of Learn to accept things a lot, a lot more about yourself, I, I feel. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a lot like that when I was younger. Like, always thinking about the negative sides of, you know, what was going on. You know, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that. Mm. Yeah. And then when you when you finally realise it, or you start experiencing different things and you start having a go and, you, yeah, yeah, you're successful or you fail, you, you, you learn to realise that having a go and failing is actually a good thing rather than just sitting back and thinking, oh, I'm not going to do that because that'll make... Me yeah. feel even worse. Yeah. Better off just getting in and having a go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Which is a very um, mature and experienced way mm. to be. You know, and I find I feel like that's something that maybe not everyone has the ability to do. Yeah, it sounds like there's a degree of confidence that you've got in being able to say. Um, actually you know what I'll have a go at that regardless of the outcome like people are terrified yeah. of things like that it's terrifying to start something new it's terrifying to be vulnerable yeah. you know but it yeah as you say like you know it often does result in having either a good experience or a shit experience with a learning to attach to it yeah you know and again that probably goes into that learned behavior that we kind of talked about before like mm. Yeah, things are probably scary the first time you do things. And I'm sure when I was younger and I was trying different things the first time, like going into a new industry that I had no, no idea about, yeah, you're freaking out and you're just hoping that you don't stuff up. Yeah. But then you try something new and then you try something new again and you start learning from those experiences. Yeah. You know, like that creates a pattern in your life and you realise, oh, yeah, you can do something different. Yeah, Same as yeah. even going to a new footy team or anything like that. Like mm. the first time you turn up to a footy team for the first time in, in a new city or, or town like you're petrified thinking yeah am I going to get along with these group of people but through learned behaviour you realise yeah, I think it's, it's probably right. nearly two different areas isn't it because you're probably socially aware mm. but you're not necessarily emotionally aware mm. and I, it's, it's an interesting point because when you talk about like learned behaviour when you're younger mm. I find which which is something else I like to talk about I find it then it probably brings you to substance abuse mm. and stuff like that as well alcohol I've, mm. I've used alcohol to to distance myself from what my reality is oh and it's certainly yeah. <laughs> every other week you, you know like, yeah yeah and I, and I wonder is that is that something over your career that you're seeing more and more of with the youth are you seeing more and more substance dependency and abuse at a younger age now Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I can only speak from, I guess, the seven years that I've been in the field. Like, I'm not sure what it was like prior to that. Mm. I mean, you know, obviously there's always going to be alcohol and drug issues in like younger demographics or people with mental health. Yeah. But it is such a problem. And I think you can't have a conversation about alcohol and other drug if unless you're having a conversation about mental health or a conversation about like, you know, intergenerational trauma, family dynamics, or things that are going to make it so much harder for someone to avoid substances. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things that, you know, you might have a kid that comes through that has, you know, their first time using weed or whatever was, you know, they their uncle set them up with a bong when they were 12 and that's, you know, it started from there. Yeah. But, like, it, it almost is though, like, you know, that... It is getting younger and younger. It is getting more dangerous with the fact that we're seeing drugs that are, 
you know, potential, like potentially fatal. Yeah. Um, and it is definitely an issue with young people. Mm. It's almost like I think that I read somewhere that the um, alcohol use, like population wise, alcohol use with young people is actually reducing, but drug use is actually increasing. increasing. Yeah. Um, is there, sorry to cut in, is it might be the hard lock ice? Would ice be on the radar a lot? I think ice is definitely getting up there. And I think party drugs like MDMA, like, you know, coke, things like that are yeah. increasing as well. Do you think that's because of the, how much, how expensive things are? That kids are just taking the drugs because they'll get a longer high for at least a less amount of money? God, I don't know. Like, I think there's probably a million factors. Yeah. You know, um, whether that's kind of like, well, this is what my mates use or like whatever. This is like, you know, the hot drug right now. I'm going to try that versus, you know, well, this is all I've got on hand. And like, you know, I know that I'm get, I can have a, you know, access to ice and that'll take me away from what I'm experiencing. I've got a, a random question. I don't know if you'd be able to answer this. It's more like a, a factual uh, stat sort of thing. Right. When you look at... Um, you know, a young person, um, let's not even say young person, let's, let's create a scenario of like say someone maybe 18, 19 at that sort of age and they start to use drugs for the first time. Right. Is it looked at that they had mental health issues before they started taking drugs and they used the drugs to help escape mm-hmm. or was the mental health um, uh, increased or, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Magnified. Magnified because of now taking drugs and, and moving into that sort of paradigm? You can go either way. I was going to say, that's yeah. a real diagnosis with psychosis and stuff, isn't it? Like, it's probably... Yeah. yeah, it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, you can have pretty okay mental health, you can um, have a family history of schizophrenia, smoke some weed or eat some mushies, and then end up with schizophrenia or psychosis. Yeah. Um, that's on the extreme end. Yeah. Um, or, you know, it can be reverse. Like, you can have mental health problems and you use ice to escape. Yeah. You know, and obviously then it makes everything worse rather than better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the problems only get worse in the morning. They don't get better, do they? No, After definitely, they come down. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. Should we, um, should we just uh, address the, the puppy <laughs> in the room? case it comes up on the audio, we've got uh, we've got Hank with us. How, how old's Hank now? Is he 10? Yeah, he's 10 now. Hank's 10. So I'll tell the story quickly. That's actually how I met Maddie when um, when I was moving house, moving with Laura. We had to rehome Hank. And I'd had Hank since he was about six weeks old. Very special pup. He was a run to the litter and he'd, he'd had a bit of a hard start to life. So I'd take him in. And um, yeah, when it come time to rehoming him, Maddie shows up, and I guess Hank just gravitated towards her, and the rest is history. And we've been able to stay in touch, and mm. Hank's here today, getting lots of love and lots of pats, <laughs> and she's really happy about. But you may hear the odd licking stuff through yeah. the uh, through the microphone. That's just Hank craving for some attention. So <laughs> I thought we'd address that before we yeah. moved on too far. <laughs> yeah, good one. Yeah, I could hear him like yeah, like licking your yeah, head. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But he's, yeah, he's a special little boy. He's definitely totally the light of my life. So, you know, it's funny how these things happen. Yeah. Yeah. There goes the licking. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. What, um, do you have anything else, Webby, that you wanted to ask Maddie about uh, career and work? 
Oh, well, what, what is a typical sort of a day for you? Like, is it a, a vast different um, mental health issues that you are faced with or is it more, you talk about the PTSD and the trauma, mm-hmm. are they more isolated in that or is there other areas of mental health that we don't even know about, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I guess each day is totally different to the last. Um, mm. But I guess my, my actual job... Um, so I guess prior, I've, I've worked in two different spaces, which I'll sort of try and speak to both because they're very different. So one was doing like actual therapy work with 12 to 25 year olds. So that was with people who were able to get themselves to a, an, a, an appointment, um, engage in therapy, um, and then, you know, take things away and try them, mm. which is, you know, uh, a very different space to where I'm at now, which is with young people who are in the criminal justice system. Mm. Often they can't tolerate appointments, they can't get to appointments. It's very, very dysfunctional, whether that's, you know, um, dysfunctional within their mental illness or within the family system. Mm. Um, so it's very, two different kind of ball games. but I guess with where I'm at right now, like a typical day would look like, you know, maybe going out and seeing kids or young people, um, either you know in their home environments or in a clinic or Mm. um and trying to do mental health assessments with them and see if there's something going on um if so then we will treat that and do interventions similar to what i did before um i guess there's a couple of different things that i would do to try and bridge engagement because i guess it's really you know if i'm thinking about like a 12 year old who's on ice the last thing he wants to do is talk to a white lady who's like hey this is what you need to do to your mental health you know like that's mm. you know you've got to get creative so maybe um the session will be <laughs> i just like stop hanging from making noise um maybe the session will be us playing cards yeah you yeah. know and me just being like hey like have you thought about you know next time if you're really angry having a cold shower yeah and that's the only thing that i will be able to get across in that session it's the only thing they'll be able to tolerate and yeah. the rest will be relationally yeah. creating a safe space for them to feel like yeah maddie's cool like i can eventually talk to her when i feel like it it's a long-term trust building it yeah. is yeah it's yeah. a total slow burn yeah um but i find that so valuable and that's the way that my brain works is like I can, you know, definitely see that relationally, the relationship between me and the young person is the, um, I guess, the vessel that's going to be able to support that person to develop healthy attachments with other adults. Mm. You know, maybe it's that there was one time where that white mental health lady was okay (laughs) to me and, you know, maybe they're not all shit, you know. So I think that's kind of the work that I tend to focus on rather than, changing someone's entire life in a day it's just not going to happen how do you sorry how do you emotionally protect yourself because that sounds Mm. massively Mm. uh yeah in true like yeah and it's yeah a lot of people yeah when i did a bit of work within the youth justice sort of stuff they say you know don't get attached to the people you work with Mm. Mm. and i used to think it was a bizarre comment to make because why would you want to do the work if you don't want to actually see someone get better and succeed you yeah. know so oh, i found it a little bit hard to detach yeah sometimes and i'd probably carry around a lot of that burden yeah head noise official is a self-funded podcast dedicated to bringing awareness to everyday issues that we all bottle up we are interested in partnering with sponsors that align with our mission and values if you want to hear more episodes like this and help create conversations 
please reach out to Head Noise Official via our socials or our website www.headnoiseofficial.com.au get better and succeed you yeah know? so oh, i found it a little bit hard to detach yeah sometimes and i'd probably carry around a lot of that burden yeah. and be thinking about things that i probably couldn't well i know i couldn't make a change in so yeah how, yeah. Did you protect, how do you protect yourself with that that's a really good question i don't think i'm the best at this because i really bond with my young people very strongly and i find it kind of difficult to separate the fact that you know there should be a degree of separation I guess if you're thinking about best practice and what you should do is that you have to maintain your um, professional boundaries and you have to um, practice good self-care. They almost talk about wearing different hats. Mm. Like you walk out of your front door and then you can put your social work hat on Mm. and then you walk home again you take it off and put your home hat on. Mm. It's almost like you need to separate that out a little bit. But I guess for me personally, um, I am that same person regardless of where I am. And so for me it's about knowing that I'm doing... Um, everything in my power to support the young person and knowing that I can go to bed easy just being like yep this is what I did and and I feel good about what I did today Um, but yeah I guess that's a hard one for me to answer because I do Do uh, attach myself to the young people a little bit maybe too much but yeah do you decompress to someone or do you have like a safety net around you like like a professional type of person that you talk to professionally to be able to release that sort of stuff and then uh personally do you also have the same thing for personally or that's the same thing across yeah totally so professionally i have a supervisor um clinical supervisor is is i guess one part of it and then i've also got like a line manager and they function in two different ways so my supervisor is who i can go to with cases and we unpack it and we really process what's going on and i guess i really like to utilize my supervision in the way that i'm um very much talking about you know how maybe the young person is going but also how i'm feeling about it and what's Mm. going on for me when i work with this young person like you know maybe this kid is um really really highly traumatized and i i get that icky feeling sometimes Mm. or i feel really guilty and horrible um and that's how i can decompress and make sense of my experiences um and then i guess the the line manager is more someone who helps operationally day to day with you know cases or you know things that are needing to be done more so logistically yeah. so having those two there on my team is amazing and then I also personally go see a therapist um, I think all therapists should have therapists I think everyone <laughs> should have a therapist we're advocates yeah and and I guess in that space it's more unpacking that more personal stuff around like you know how I guess it's less so about work but it does kind of go hand in hand with work because mm. you're the you know my me I am the tool that I use to work with like maybe some people use hammers or some people use saws or I'm just being like because you guys are working in like those industries I had to go there but um it could be anything pens well, it's, whatever it's your, it's your mind isn't yeah, it? yeah it's, it's, it's your mind yeah it's me so I feel you know that it's hard to separate that so yeah my personal therapist helps me to understand myself better so that I don't bring that into the room with the young people yeah. Listen, I have a question around, um, multifaceted question. The first question is, do do you see a reasonable success rate in rehabilitation? Do you like and mm. and I guess I'm I'm not sure if rehabilitation is the right word, but you're yeah. obviously working with a lot of youth. You mentioned before court cases. Do you? 
do you actually see a good portion of results not the right word but do you see rewards and and growth and from a lot of your cases do you see that is that is that sort of what keeps you keeps you going to mm. keep pushing it's a really really good question because i think that um there's across the different spaces that i've worked there's different answers to that so when I was working doing counselling work, doing therapy work with people that had capacity and maybe they had jobs and maybe they had resources, yeah, totally. You could see that across maybe a year, you know, maybe that person um, originally started unemployed, crippling anxiety, and now they're able to go outside or maybe they're able to work a little bit. Mm. Like, you can see those changes, maybe more so with the kids that I work with. I don't know how much change you're going to get. And you kind of have to be a little bit more realistic around that. I guess the idea for me is like I'm planting seeds mm. and then they can do with them what they will. Is yeah. that because their minds are so young that they can't um, subconsciously, or not subconsciously, but consciously change their actions? Like they're mm. more working in the subconscious type of... That's definitely part of it. They yeah. don't have developed frontal lobes yet, so yeah. they can't, you know, um, maybe comprehend as much as an adult would, yeah. but it's the, I guess the space that I'm working with is incredible disadvantage. Yeah. It's it's incredible um, trauma and like family breakdowns, all of it, like drug mm. use, mental illness, everything. Mm. So it's almost like, yeah, being realistic, like if mum's on ice and you've got a mental illness and you've got a court coming up, you might go to detention, like, maybe it's not the right time for me to sit down and do cognitive behavioural therapy and challenge my thoughts, you know. Mm. Maybe right now is me just to have a safe person and that's all I can do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could imagine it being incredibly challenging. I, I will say this though, and this is probably a little bit of a compliment and try and find the right words. You, from, from a, a sort of having a rough upbringing, all those kids, they only need... They only need potentially one thing, one statement, one interaction with you, and that will light their fire. Mm. So there, there will be, that's all some of those kids need. So I reckon even though you don't see a lot of those results or see that now, I think you, you probably have to take a little bit of perhaps belief or a little bit of um, warmth out of that, that that's, that's what you are doing. Yeah. Because I guarantee there will be a few kids that will remember. They'll be, they'll be 25 and they'll finally put their finger on and go, I remember when I was sitting down talking to Manny and she said this and that mm-hmm. resonates with me and they'll look back on that and they'll go, that's the moment in my life. Mm-hmm. That's the moment. So mm-hmm. it's, it's super, super powerful. Mm-hmm. I guess it, it, that would probably lead me into my next question. Do, in your role, and I'll, and I'll use the term the system mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. do you... Obviously, mental health and those sorts of areas have become a, a major, major area, developing more sort of as we speak. Is there enough support and help out there? Is there enough resources for you guys on the front line? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. And I guess the quick answer is no. Um, the mental health system is incredibly strained. I don't think we do it well. Mm. I don't think we do the mental health system well. So we kind of have, um, you know, we have... Uh, I guess an okay preventative um, system-ish kind of thing going on where it's it's very like like lower intensity 
places like Headspace Centres, for example, are focused on early intervention and prevention, working with mild mental illness. So then there's that, and then there's, like, nothing, and then you get to acute mental health, where it's, like, um, unable to function, maybe really chronically suicidal people or, you know, people who um, maybe have psychosis or bipolar, really acute stuff. Um, So there's nothing in between. Um, and the reason why I say there's nothing in between when I know that there's psychologists and things out there is that because it, therapy in general is expensive. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not sure about anyone else, but if I was 15, 16 years old, there's no way I could afford $200 a session to go talk about my problems. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've got an incredibly strange system on either end, um, especially more in that acute space. So we actually end up with this bottlenecked system where there's not enough um, middle kind of area or mental health support and we end up with an incredibly strained and burnt out acute care system. Mm. So it's almost like, where's the middleman? How do we get from the prevention to, you know, moving then into actual like, you know, moderate to severe mental health work? Mm. It's, yeah, it's a little bit in that way not enough cliffs on the way where people can sort of get off and yeah and just goes to the, the ultimate point yeah. well I, I, I'm going to change gears and dive right into it because you, you just mentioned the word but suicide mm. uh, like I've been affected by it a fair bit with um, you know close friends like more than I would like to even count yeah. to be honest and, and one even recently um, which affected you know me me and and, and really close Friends and, and my community back up north, how, how the fuck do we stop that? What mm. do we do? Mm. You yeah. know, like, what's, uh, what, what, what do you feel? Yeah, how do you even work it out? Like, it just comes from nowhere. Yeah. I, look, this is a big topic, mm. you know, and I think that it, you know, is, is one of those things that we might have to pick one thing to kind of go over rather than talking about the whole subject because it's too much. You mm. know, there's so many layers and there's so much going on. Um, but I think as a society, we're pretty shit with mental health. Mm. You know, we're pretty crap with having open conversations about mental health and about suicide. Mm. Some people are uncomfortable with the word suicide. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is understandable. We don't talk about it. Um So I think that there needs to be a cultural shift in the way that we understand mental health and the way that we understand suicidality. Mm. You know, it shouldn't be something that we run away from. We should embrace, you know, the fact that we all go through things. Um, You know, and also if you've got someone, you know, in your circles that is suicidal, you know, how are you meant, how do you know what to do with that? Yeah. You know, there's... um, one of my good friends um, is doing a PhD, or maybe has finished now. Kareen, shout out to Kareen. Um, she. Hi, Kareen. Yeah. <laughs> You're she, famous now. Yeah. She, yeah. So she, um, you know, on this very topic, what the friends and family members do about suicide, mm. developed this, um, or is in the process of developing um, this app that can guide you through step by step how to respond to someone who is expressing suicidality to you Mm. um you know it it's something that we kind of need to have more broadly as well Mm. um because it's it's almost something that i guess we we brush under the rug a little bit Mm. or we don't know what to do and so we just kind of walk away from it and hope that it'll go away Mm. um and then we don't have enough of that middle middle man mental health stuff to support 
people going through it. But, and, and stop me if I'm wrong here, but most people in general will eventually have suicidal thoughts at one point in their life. Like they'll go through tough times. They'll feel like the world's against them. They'll like, and you would never know. Like mm. I've been through some tough times, and but I've never, you know, obviously gone to that sort of point. But yeah. you sort of work your way through it. Like, how how do you, how do we get the message out to younger people to realise? Yeah, you're going to go through shit times. It's going to be tough, but you've got to. Yeah, you've got to have a chat. Like I think that's pretty much the hidden message within the whole, our whole podcast. Every yeah. person we've spoken to, it always comes back to just talk to someone. Like yeah. no matter what you're going through, yeah. just talk to someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to challenge that wording a little bit. Okay. Right? Yeah, great. Um, because it's, um, I guess it's less about saying to young people, "Hey, life's shit." Yeah. This is what you got to do about it, mm. and we've got to put the onus on ourselves. Mm. You know, like hey, what you're going through is going to be really hard. You know, what can I offer you to help you get through that? Mm. You know, rather than you've got to do that, Mm. you've got to talk to someone. It's like, what can I do to make it okay for you to share with me what's going on? Yeah, okay. You know, it's, it's almost like we're creating a space of safety where it's not on the person to have to pick themselves up and get themselves into a therapist it's almost like we want a community to Mm. be around that person and and having that openness and that kind of like you know yeah things are really hard you know but isn't that difficult as well like uh, you know i'm pretty open about my anxiety and 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 times through depression and everything you would never know like most but whenever i talk about it people have no idea that that's what i sort of go through because i learned how to hide all that from people. So if we're talking about creating a safe space but can for I, people to can be able I add to something to that? Yeah. From the outside looking in, yes. Yeah. But to to the people and the men and the other individuals that you come across that are that make you feel safe to talk about it. Yeah. How openly do you talk about it? Yeah, but that's only, that, that's over the past couple of years. I, I realise that, yeah, but I yeah, guess yeah. I, I was I was a little bit. Um, with you when yeah. you first started talking on the view, and then Maddie challenged you because I, I remember even having conversations this week where I've said my opinion on something and I've said these words: this this person um, needs some help, but they they put their emotional baggage onto other people. They have to be willing to step up, and yeah. that's how I packaged it. And it's it's really straight away. You started talking, Maddie, and I was yeah. sort of listening to it going, and then it flowed into what you're saying, yeah. and I think about like. We, we will quite often at the end of this, we come out of a podcast and we're pumped and it's hugs and love your brother and it's a high five. And, yeah, yeah. But you, you don't, no one, do, do you look, have a look at me. Do you think yeah. that people see me or deal with me on a daily basis think that, that I do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do it with each other and our friends because we're comfortable and we yeah. are safe. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just wanted to, to challenge but the, that. I, I think bit. that's what I'm, I'm kind of getting at and not to... We're challenging everyone around the table. <laughs> but I, thought, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, coming back to your statement of, like, we've got to create that safe space. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just having thoughts as I'm about to say mm. things, so mm. I just want to make sure I've got it right. Mm. But, like, creating those safe space, like, if you already think that people are sweet, how do you know that you're creating that safe space for them, if that makes sense? We should sense? do it all the time, every day, all day. Yeah, yeah. By default. Yeah. Because you... Um, I think when you were saying before, like, you, you've had... But, you know, when you're going through anxiety and stuff like that, you don't realise that things are a safe space because you've already created your own type of... 
thoughts about it. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I think I'm more sort of referring to us as people who are maybe listening to this podcast. Yeah. In is you know how do we how do we um, help and create safety for other people, right? Yeah. Because I guess you know for sure you know people who are going through hard times, you know they are going to have to you know or not going to have to, but hopefully feel safe enough to share. Yeah. But I guess thinking more broadly culturally society we need to make this an okay conversation because right now it's not yeah yeah almost got to shift the change or yeah um, yeah you you love using thought um thought provocative is that that's what you like to say almost change it to the point where yeah it's just normal that we're not even sort of thinking about you know is it the right thing to say or something like that Mm. saying hey mate i'm struggling at the moment i need a chat I'll, I'll touch briefly on um, on Angus. We had a gentleman yeah. on a little while ago called Anthony Kennedy. He's been mentioned to you earlier, ex-military. Mm-hmm. He, after his podcast with us, he had members of his unit and that reach out to him and say, I never told you this, mm-hmm. but I've had suicide thoughts, I'm struggling, yeah. and so proud of you for what you're doing. I've yeah. had these issues, and that's... You're right, because it's, it's up to all of us to change it, hey? Yeah. And it's that... The more, the more you spread the conversation. It's like this podcast. Yeah. I, I started out because I wanted to empower young kids living in housing commission, broken families, just to go, you know what? There's something a bit better out there for me. And if mm. we can keep pushing it, it it's a big job. It's mm. a huge job. But surely, you know, and, and I even looking at it from a personal point of view, some of my shortfalls, we don't, I don't always give people the benefit of the doubt. You don't always trust that they're doing the best they can. Mm. And it's it's probably not a huge reprogramming, is it? It's just a few little little areas. Yeah, yeah. You know yourself, whether you... It's, it comes back to that whole cut and run thing. Ah, oh, fuck that guy, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like it's a, yeah. you, I, I struggle with, with showing empathy. It's one of my downfalls. I'm terrible at it. Yeah, yeah. I'm terrible at it. I'm always like... Because I, I'm... The way that I've been brought up, it's like what are you fucking complaining about? I've got all these problems. Why are you putting your problems onto me? You know, and it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shift to, to try and change that. Yeah. But I guess what I was saying is that you look at, look at the, and I use the term loosely, but look at the people that come out of the woodwork when they know that you're talking about that. Look at the footy club. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, actually, yeah, I told you about um, one of my mates from back up north. Uh, I won't say his name on the, on the podcast, but uh, he, he, like, he's a great, known him for a long time, but, yeah, he's not really a bloke that shows his emotions. He likes taking the piss, likes, you know, making fun of people and everything like that. And he rung me the other day and said, you know, I listened to one of the episodes and, and praised me on what I was doing. And, yeah, I, 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 it kind of didn't take me by surprise, but then when I did think about it, and more because he probably made a number of comments like, oh, you know me, I don't usually do this sort of stuff. I don't usually call people and be nice to them and stuff like that. And I kind of thought, oh, yeah, that is pretty nice that he's yeah. gone out of his way to to praise that so I appreciate it yeah I yeah, appreciate that phone call and, and on Angus as well like he rang I talked to him the other day he said even another person come out yeah. um, and had a chat to him so it's continually flowing on so mm-hmm. I guess you're right maybe what we are trying to do here is you know create an environment where it is just okay yeah, yeah. absolutely and maybe there was something that 
shifted it sounds a little bit like this guy you're talking about with the humor like often we can use humor as a defense you yeah. know like i'll just make you laugh and then you won't have to hear about yeah. it like i yeah. can keep my walls up um yeah. but it sounds like maybe that dropped a little bit in him being able to call you like i can't even imagine that yeah. would have been hard for him to do yeah yeah you know so that that's the kind of shift we need yeah you know so it's almost like we're kind of breaking down that stigma around like you know, the whole it ain't weak to speak thing, yeah. you know, is part of it. Um, but I guess as well, we need to have a better, um, yeah, a better way that we're relating to it and engaging with it culturally, systemically, you know, there needs to be a lot of shifts. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's a bad thing to say, but I've said it before, and more than just one area, I think the country has a lot to answer for still i think our our leadership not that i i'd like to get into too much political stuff but this yeah. is not a political I think, podcast uh, yeah. <laughs> i think that the country has a fair bit to, to answer for would you yeah. as someone obviously you experience it firsthand mm. you, you obviously you not putting words in your mouth but you you see a little bit of that or you feel that's a like obviously you're, you're probably craving out for some more resources and some more i don't know funding is it funding or more you know, perhaps university places for for the next generation of... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if anyone at home heard my massive eye roll as soon as politics is mentioned. <laughs> um, but I think that we have a lot of change that we need to make, and it's across the board. Like, we obviously need funding in the right areas, but we also need cultural shifts. Like, we need to stop living in this kind of, like, awful, colonised, gross political field and start like embracing more diversity more open conversations and mm. have a, a very large cultural shift like i don't think there's one thing that would potentially like change everything it's the way that we relate to and talk about mm. um you know mental health but also like systemically you know um you mentioned like housing commission before like things like housing education you know how people you know financially but like able to support themselves if they're on Centrelink, it's just not possible. It's like the poverty line. Um, there's so many different areas that we need to have reform around. And I don't know if under this current leadership that's going to happen. I mean, I'm 100% sure under this current leadership it will not happen. Yeah. Would you, would you add, um, obviously, I, I mean, I'd add racism into, into that area as well. Yeah. I'd, I'd add... Um, things are improving but uh, up until recently i guess sexuality is probably another area in that conversation yeah it's um it's very thought-provoking isn't it you see you see all these things and it's i'm still thinking about it now as a journey from a journey as a young kid you could probably relate to this webby you're in a country town you know like my old man wasn't around but my granddad worked hard and he came home and you know it was very it was very black and white pardon Mm. the pun but that's that's how it was hey there's not you kind of have to really it takes a massive mind shift to realise that things aren't black or they're not white. Mm-hmm. It's okay for something to be grey, and it's okay. To not understand. Yeah, 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 it's okay to not understand it, but you just you have to be kind, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think one of the best things to realise is uh, you don't know all the answers, and when you can <laughs> accept that and not feel like you have to be opinionated on everything, and you can mm-hmm. sit back and listen, you start to learn a little bit more. I think it's okay to have an opinion, but you just have to also be willing to believe that it's okay for someone else to have an opinion that's different to yours yeah mm-hmm. also yeah. yeah not and i'm not speaking like far left versus far right there's mm-hmm. got to be some ground in the middle but yeah yeah it's okay to challenge mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with 
I won't say a lot, but Laura and I have robust conversations. We don't agree on things, and sometimes we just agree to disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that might be something very simple, but if you're passionate about something, that's okay too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. As long as you're not hurting anyone else in the process. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's almost like, I guess, like, you know, whether this is sidestepping or not, like you have at the moment, we have a very divided country, have a very, like, you know, we have the radical right and the radical left. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, like... Um, like I guess we were all a little bit more in the middle you know historically and now I guess with you know things like technology we're being pushed further and further apart and there's a lot of um yeah a lot of difficulties that we're having now around having you know not being aligned I guess Mm. as a as a a community um but I, I sort of think as well like the the other issue that you mentioned in that as well was like your ideas around like having things be black and white which I guess is kind of like what I'm saying but the idea maybe that when you know when you did grow up in that kind of um, family in that kind of environment like you developed a lot of black and white ideas or you developed a lot of like ways of thinking about particular people or situations or circumstances that maybe now as an adult you're going through the hard work of having to challenge and unpack that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's to that point where those, that way of that, that belief or that way of acting or those coping mechanisms, they, they serve me well to get through a rough childhood, but but it's okay to let them go and go, you know what, that, that served me for that part. Head Noise Official is a self-funded podcast dedicated to bringing awareness to everyday issues that we all bottle up. We are interested in partnering with sponsors that align with our mission and values. If you want to hear more episodes like this and help create conversations, please reach out to Head Noise Official via our socials or our website www.headnoiseofficial.com.au Now I have to, I have to start doing things a bit differently. I have to look for different ways and you have to evolve yeah that's probably a, it's yeah probably i guess in a nutshell how it is um i want to i want to just go on to the to the next topic and i i shared with you this previously off of air i um i hope you don't mind me saying obviously we spoke about the lgbtq plus with with um yourself um, being a part of that community mm-hmm. i so i have a family member um beautiful person very very proud of her and she has um i guess not i guess she's gone through a lot of work and a lot of soul searching a lot of thinking and she they have organized have decided that uh, they want to be uh, non-binary mm-hmm. and us to refer to them as they or mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. what um and that's that comes back to my point before about the programming and steadfastly having an opinion on something how 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 do we make that okay so the individuals and the souls in that community they have their safe space mm. how yeah. how does that become mainstream i guess this is like a, a you know a big topic right because i guess if we're thinking about gender you know gender is something that you know for many people out there is two things male female you know there's nothing else um However, you know, that's not the case. We know that gender is an incredibly diverse 
Um, you know, we did call it, it was on a spectrum, but now we're kind of thinking about it as more of a circle because we're kind of, there's not two ends of it. Um, so I guess if we're thinking about gender, that's something that is like, you know, for that family member must have been an incredibly difficult process and something that probably took a lot of, you know, thinking and feeling and making sense of and trying to connect the dots and like, why am I sort of feeling like this uncomfortable and maybe... The, these clothing and maybe why do I feel uncomfortable when people call me she her or he him you know so it's you know it's one of those things that um, I guess we have to similarly to the conversation about creating safety yeah you know we sort of have to um, you know go through that kind of journey of our own to think about how we're relating to this and what we're what our unconscious bias is around this and then trying to kind of like dismantle that slowly so that we can be fully present and with the person that's going through the um the experience or that identity and journey um so you know i think particularly in the non-binary space this is something that our society is not set up for you know you've got your, you know, your birth certificate has MF on it. You know, if you have, like, a, a government form, it's, like, MF. You know, we, we brought the I in for intersex, and that's kind of some... Sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, you're a little bit progressive. But now we know, like, you know, there's lots of different gender mm-hmm. identities. Maybe we should kind of be inclusive of all of those. Because the, the wording is also important too, right? Because yeah. my... Laura Moore, she often says to me, gender is a social construct. Totally. So gender, gender yeah. and sex are two different things. Yes. And that was my, I'll just go a little bit off track, that was my struggle around this this topic initially. And, I, and I'm sure I've shared this before. I don't know if I've shared it on here. I, I know I said it to you, Maddie. My, so my brother molested me when I was a kid, and he's a he's a gay man, and I, I always struggled. I carried that resentment against that community, and I probably let that, cloud my judgment over the whole whole lgbtq community Mm -hmm. and it's only been that that's and that's a process that's slowly improving for me and and understanding and why i felt like that and why it was sort of black and white that's right that's wrong and it's i guess it's really hitting home now that that a that a family member close to me that that is, is experiencing that and if anything, I mean, the question, I guess the, the questions around this is, is to help me as much as mm. it is to for the listeners to, to mm. hear it. Mm. It's, yeah, it's really, mm. it's mind-boggling. It's a big there's topic. There's a lot here for you. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot here for yeah. you. It's almost like in, in the way that maybe this particular family member's journey has then kind of interacted with what's going on within you. Yeah. You know, it's almost like the, um, the whole community maybe for you was an uncomfortable let's mm. not go there space for a long time um and now this kind of has come up in your immediate family like how do you make sense of that mm. like what goes on in your mind is this something that you kind of have that instinct to try and push away or to not go there um but you know i think i said this to you off air as well mm. it's an incredible thing to do to connect those dots and and acknowledge that okay i have my own experiences that have shaped my view of this I'm a willing participant to try and challenge them, and I know this is going to be hard for me, but I need to do this for my family, or I need to do this for myself. Hundred percent. I think it's I'm I'm a fair way down the road already mm-hmm. on that, and I have been as my years have gone on. Mm-hmm. But just like I said to you earlier, if if ten years ago you would have said to me, you're going to have someone that 
you're incredibly proud of, that you love, that you want to see succeed, that, that is a really, really decent person, and they're going to come to you with this, I would have said, what the fuck? Yeah. Mm. I would have just said, what the fuck? You yeah. know, like, but it's, yeah, it's really, it really changes your view on everything. Mm. And society in general, the mental health space, you know, the this space, it's just so, I, I can't help but keep coming back to that, that statement of, people are doing their best show some empathy be kind mm. you don't understand what that person's going through on their mm. daily basis it's yeah it's it's a certain challenge and i'm not i'm certainly not steadfastly stuck in my opinion and and i don't have a belief what's wrong and what's right my main focus is the happiness and for for that particular person that's yeah. that's it the yeah, rest of it is not the rest of it's not important because that's you still right. love that person and your family whether you know, whether yeah. they do unthinkable things or not that that's unthinkable, but whether they committed a crime or they said something or they make a mistake, you still love them, right? They're, yeah. they're your family. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I want to highlight as well, like I know that you sort of said pronouns are a bit challenging yeah. to get your head around. I just want to point out, you've gone a few minutes now, you've not used a pronoun. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you've nailed that. Yeah, absolutely nailed that you know mm. so it like it is something that like we have to change our language and we have to get used to it um but also like it's something that you know as you say might take a bit more mm. time it you know if you've got these kind of more concrete ideas that you've had when you were younger it's hard to change mm. but as you say necessary yeah you know it's almost like if um you know if i guess you know not a great analogy again but like if you know, someone were to maybe change their name you know it's it's kind of not that we would sit there and use their old name because you know it's what we're used to it's what we need to do to adapt and to sort of support that person yeah that's yeah. good point because that's also part of the conversation yeah that, that yeah, is to yeah, come yeah that is to come as well Absolutely. that's that's been floated so it's yeah. it's and I, and I shared this with you off here as well it's it's not the conversation hasn't been had directly with me I, I'm hearing this through another party mm-hmm. and I don't know how it's it's a two sided thing. I know it's because they're scared of my reaction. Mm. But I also know that they want my approval. Yeah. So it's a two sided totally. it's a two sided thing, so yeah. it's very challenging. Totally. It's it's different Webby. Oh, I take my hat off to you, mate, that you're powerful enough and um, you know, you're open to talk about this stuff on a microphone mm. to let other people almost mm. go through the bit of the journey mm-hmm. of what you're going through. Mm. Like, I think that's pretty special. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And we talked about vulnerability a bit earlier. Like, mm. could you get any more vulnerable, vulnerable with, mm. you know, the couple of statements mm. that you've just sort of made? But I'm the naive one in the room, so I've got to, I've got to ask some questions mm. about this. Yeah. Okay. First thing, and people are probably going to think oh, I'm an idiot, but I, I've asked plenty of questions like this before. <laughs> Non-binary, what does that actually mean? Yeah, good question. Yes. So non-binary refers to, I guess, an individual who doesn't identify as the binary, which if we think about the binary is male, female. Okay. So maybe maybe they feel like they're a little bit of, a little bit masculine, a little bit feminine, but don't identify in either camp. Okay. Yeah. And that can kind of be fluid as well. Like, 
I guess there's, um, you know, if you're if you identify as non-binary, maybe you like to wear boys' clothes one day and then girls' clothes the next day. It kind of shifts and moves, um, but I guess the essence of it is that you're not, um, you don't feel as though um, the gender binary that we created. I'm doing like rabbit quotes in the air. Gender mm. binary um, applies to you. It's okay. just not who you are. Yeah. Okay. So then, with that, you talk about pronouns. So you refer to a person that's non-binary as they? They, them, typically, but it's up to the individual, right? Yeah. So we always need to check in with pronouns, um, regardless of what we assume their gender to be. And you said another word before, intersex or intersexual or something Intersex, like? yeah. Yeah, what is that? I've never heard that. Yeah, so intersex is where um, you might have an individual who was born with a variation in their genitals so it could be that they present as female and they might have you know a variation of male or female genitals yeah it typically what we've done with people who are born into sex is that we immediately get them on the surgical table and we make up their gender and then we do that and off they go as living as a man or a woman or whatever oh, really? but we're sort of moving away really? from that really? yeah it's pretty pretty shit yeah it's super shitty i've never yeah. heard that what's no, the, either. Yeah. yeah okay statistic wise and what's that one in a million or oh, one honestly in i'm not too sure of the statistics i feel like it's relatively common it's just a variation in genitals basically i'm pretty sure Very, i say 87 percent of all statistics are made up so <laughs> you're probably right you yeah you said ever. statistics so i believe you yeah so, yeah, yeah saw it on uh, facebook yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, okay. So we're kind of trying to like culturally move away from that kind of thing because I guess it's assuming someone's identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but then uh, I've got to ask you obviously questions that probably, yeah, probably. Uh, um, be Don't be what nervous. I, careful, I say, no, I was actually going to say like a typical male or one of those people that just sort of go against things when they right. say, well, no, nah, hold on, it is just male and female. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, yeah, we're accepting and you can choose to be whatever you choose that you want to be even that, mm-hmm. if that's your internal feelings to be that but when you break it down it's still male and female but that's the What's case, sorry can I answer can I answer that question yeah yeah 100% and I'm asking these questions because I something yeah. something that I struggled to understand for a fucking long time yeah because I was always like you look down your pants you got a dick and balls you're you're a boy yeah but that's the difference that's your sex Okay. So sex and gender are two different things. Okay. So your your sex, you're a male, yeah. you're a female, like that is your sex. That's not your gender. So your sex is your biological makeup, but your gender is what you identify as. How you feel what what your little person is like saying inside of you, that's that's your gender. Is that the fair answer? Yeah. Yeah. To challenge that but then, like, with um, a gay man that's quite feminine... Right. ...but then would still say that he is a male. Well, then they but are... But he would feel more feminine. Yeah. How does that... So he... So that... Sorry to cut in, but... Oh, I feel like I'm on a bit of a roll. I'm like, no, I'm mate, expert. No, I'm not an expert. Yeah, so so you've obviously got the LGBTQ+. Plus. Yes. So... LGBTIQ+. Plus, yeah. Sorry, yeah. So, obviously, the L and the G, the first part is lesbian and gay. Yes. So, that particular person would identify as, as a gay male. Right. Correct? Correct. Yes. So, right. they're still... So, they're male, because that's their sex. Yeah. They're identifying as a gay male. So, yeah. a sexual male. 
so that all the letters, the LGBTQ, and do, would you like to to say obviously but lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer, intersex? Is that the next one? And what's the A? Um, so it could be um, like asexual. Yeah. But I guess like it's um. I guess w- there's a billion other kind yeah. of you know, identities, sexualities and things that we uh, can't capture in this acronym. That's just an which acronym, is the yeah. T- which is the plus. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, coming back to what you were saying about, like, that example. Yeah. So I think it's important that we always listen to the person, right? Yeah. So if they're identifying as a gay a gay male, then yeah. that's, that's that, you know what I mean? And yeah. if they, you know, choose to dress in, in drag, for example, like drag queens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they may choose to um, have themselves referred to as she, her when they're in drag, but that doesn't necessarily make that person, um, uh, you know, a woman. Mm. It, you know, the drag comes off at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think only that asked that question just off your analogy of, you know, the sex and the gender yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, probably diving too much into that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, each the own. Like, whatever makes you feel good, and as long as you, you're enjoying life and... You're not trying to affect other people's like you're not putting anyone down. It's the same with religion or anything like that. Believe whatever gives you faith and makes you yeah. happy, but don't encourage hate or you know destructive conversations to other people. Well, Just let people be. Acceptance and empathy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's acceptance. And I guess acceptance again comes back to education, which again That's what right. we talked about with agree. You know, yeah, cultures and you know, black versus white and all that sort of stuff that we've we've touched on in the past. It's a lot of it comes down to education that we, we don't have because we don't have the conversations and create safe spaces yeah. for people to ask yeah. questions. Yeah. And I think it's really important for everyone to acknowledge their internalised their internalized homophobia, their internalised racism. We're all born into this country. We all have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one is exempt from um, the cultural norms that we live under. Yeah. So it's all, you know... I. You know, for myself, it's an ongoing journey, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, okay, um, there might be assumptions that I might make. There might be, like, the unconscious bias that comes into play. I need to assume that I am never across everything and I'm going to be curious 100% of the time yeah. and educate myself. Mm. It's, like, no one else's job to do that but mm. my own. Mm. Um, and, you know, a part of that is... You, you know, I guess you're challenging that internalised stuff that was planted there without you kind of being super willing about it mm. because you were born into the culture. Mm. Well, yeah. was it one of our guests or someone else say this to me that what we keep forgetting is you're, you're a makeup of, like, your parents, their grandparents, yeah. their mm. grandparents, mm. and, like, the list keeps going on so to mm. then bring you back to the point you are. So all those different generations has created a subconscious understanding of what you see. Totally. Yeah. That yeah. we don't really take, we don't pay attention to. Yeah. Well, we're still, yeah. we're still teaching in our schools that Australia was discovered 230 years ago by Captain Oh my Cook. god! So, oh my god! Uh, we've got a fair way to go, haven't we? So far, <laughs> so far. Did you say Captain Hook? No, Cook. Peter Pan. Peter oh, Pan. Okay. Cook, Cook, Cook. I just want to report also before we move on. I don't know. I was going to say Hank's asleep, but I, just at that point, he's like, <laughs> his eyes. He's, uh, he's, like, he's chilled out for a little while. Been around the room, had a pat. Yeah. What's what's a, uh, if we before we jump past the uh, that topic LGBTQ plus what was the plus sorry I guess it's in capturing every oh, like other kind else. of yeah okay gotcha yeah, yeah. 
Um, what about like a young person that's struggling with their sexuality and not kind of knowing sort of where they sort of sit and, yeah. um, you know, might be a, uh, you know, I'll be honest, even when I was young, because I'm, you know, I was with my anxiety and I like to talk and I like, I like people generally. Mm-hmm. At times I used to probably think like, oh, because I think differently, could I be gay? Mm-hmm. And then you start questioning this whole thought mm-hmm. pattern in your head. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, small country town and stuff like that, you wouldn't talk to yeah. anyone about that sort yeah. of stuff. So yeah. what's your what's your advice to young people about having those conversations? Um, look, I think it's always worth having the conversation with someone who you know is going to be a safe person to talk to. Mm. You know, if, if you're in a country town and there's no one who you feel is going to be accepting of you, then I would definitely recommend picking up the phone, calling someone like QLife, for example. Mm. That's the yeah, answer what I was get, trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there are hotlines out there. There for are numbers people. you can contact. There are people on the end of the phone waiting for your call. Like, you know, definitely don't feel. And sometimes it can be hard on the phone. Like, there's chat rooms as well that you can go into. Not mm. chat rooms like weird ones, but like QLife facilitate chat rooms or eHeadspace, things like that. Yeah. Um, that can help to have those conversations. Um, and also don't run away from it. You know, if you're having these thoughts and these feelings going on, you know, turn to them and be curious mm. um, rather than maybe what historically people have done is to suppress it and run mm. away and then, you know. Have another drink. Have another drink, hit the bong, like whatever. You but know? it's natural, like, it's what, and, and you would be going to know more about this than me, but it's natural for people to have curious minds and to think about just any sort of topic. Like, we're yeah. exposed to so much uh, information these days that yeah. you're going to probably come across that thought or mm. any type of thought within your head. It's, yeah, what you're saying there is try not to run away from those thoughts. Yeah. Is Yeah, have conversations and work yeah. things out. Do you think, probably generally for the male population, we probably close that off a lot more than 100%. the female side? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's not big because that's what you choose to do. That's because of the culture that you live in. Yeah. You know, toxic masculinity is incredibly rife. Peacocking. Awful. It's like, it's so many layers. So toxic masculinity is this culture we have around men being burly and tough and like, I can do this and I don't have emotions and this kind of stoic figure, you Mm. know, and and it it creates um, a total vortex of... Um, suppressed emotions, mental illness, uh, substance use, domestic mm. violence. It just goes on and on and on. Um, so we need to be able to challenge those ideas and be like, yeah, like, you know, um, maybe what makes me a man is not the fact that I am as emotional as a brick wall. It mm. might be that I can I can actually engage with that and I can be a good mentor and a good support mm. for my kids or young people in the society and the communities. Um, because that's what we need more of, you yeah. know. Toxic masculinity makes us unhealthy. It makes us mentally unwell. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's about challenging that, trying yeah. to break that down. And just to be clear on that, in case there is a, a man out there listening, saying when uh, Maddie says toxic men, um, masculinity. masculinity, not saying that we need to all turn into these, you know, like a soft human being that, you know, doesn't know how to, you know, what am I trying to get out here? You just like got to can do still you. Be, yeah, you can still be you. You can be strong and everything like that. But it's the thing where people start like worried about that sort of stuff. They think that we're all going to become, you know, like complete crybabies. Mm. No one's going to get anything done. Like yeah, I think that people, sounds I, like toxic masculinity. Yeah, 
Yeah. A, you know what? That's a function of it. Is it? It yeah, creates yeah. the fear. Oh, if I if feel my feelings. Yeah. Oh, shit, I'm going to turn into a dress-wearing gay man. Yeah, you know what but I mean? it's not. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's what I'm trying that's to get across. That's the function of it. It keeps you, keeps yeah. you pinned down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I know it's, it's a little bit unrelated, but we, we had this chat before, and yeah. I, I want to shout out to... um to Gideon, Gideon Mazembe, if he's listening. Mm. Amazing, amazing human being. And he reminds me of people, it, it's a funny comparison, but people like Gideon, The Rock, the positivity that they share. And the message is, in a, in a hood type language, being gangster, like being gangster as fuck, when, you, when you're 15, that looks like smoke and pot, being a dickhead, <laughs> breaking the rules. When you're 35, it looks like, fucking gangsters being successful with your job being yeah. good to your family being mm. a good fucking member being of the community you know yeah. Yeah. that's that's the difference it's that change of fucking thinking hey yeah well it's being a part of the community is probably what I want to jump at I reckon that's one of the biggest issues um, we sort of struggle with now is people lose connection with a community to be a part of whether it's your footy club and it's not just turning up and being there, it's diving in and being a part of what's actually going on in that mm. or a part of a church if that's what you're into or, mm. you know, I don't, that's probably as far as my vocabulary goes when it comes <laughs> to communities. Yeah. But but if you understand where I'm sort of going with, like, I think when you lose touch with something that you feel a part of, things struggle mm. a little bit you more. You can feel a little bit isolated. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It is with the, so with the, the youth area especially, and, and the reaching out in country towns and finding help, is that, do you know, you may not know, but is there channels in schools where they promote that? Are they, are they spreading that message to schools? Are they saying, you know, this is, because the schools have a guidance counsellor and all that, but I wonder, I wonder what the, the programs are. Are they, mm-hmm. are they saying, you know, do they have something in class? Hey, you feeling unwell? Do they get a flyer or do they get yeah. something on their online learning? Like, is there, mm-hmm. do you know if there's anything like that? Look, I think there's a bit out there, but I think like you, you know, you think about um, public pre- versus private schools, like private schools can do whatever they want. They're probably a little bit more, I guess, generally speaking, well equipped in the way that they might have a psychologist or a yeah. social worker working there. Public schools don't hire social workers and they don't <coughs> hire psychologists. They've got guidance officers, which are great, but usually have an education background Um, so look I'm not too sure I think that there are definitely um, organizations out there that target schools and go out and and talk at schools like Headspace for example I keep referencing Headspace because it's the most generally and widely known one Um, but there are other services and things out there that can co-locate at schools Um, I guess you know it's it's school by school but I think that there are I'm not too sure what the extent is Mm. Yeah. yeah And it's and it's probably even teacher by teacher. Totally. You still uh, got those like I'm gonna whip you into line teachers. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like who needs that? You know. I have a I have a friend who works at a um, I'll say multicultural school because I don't want to make it too obvious. Uh Very much the same. Very very evolved person. Very empathetic. Very understanding. Very very broad thinker. And still having that, um, still says it's pretty prevalent, that old school way of thinking, like our way or the highway, yeah. black and white. And still saying, like, I don't know if teaching is a is a dying trade degree, I guess you'd say, but 
I think there needs to be a push to get some more younger people into that, or maybe younger people isn't the answer. Get some more people that are broad thinking into that area of of education. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of um, a lot of people educated in the seventies that are that are probably not having. I mean, I'm sure they're doing a lot of things well, but they're probably not having a positive inf- impact on mm-hmm. mental health, sexuality, conversations, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's fair. Yeah, and I think it's about, yeah. like, you know, uh, yeah, as well as um, encouraging, like, younger people to come into education, um, <coughs> educating the people we've got in there already, like, how do we have a broader cultural shift within schools and in, within the education department, you know, let's um, shake things up a little bit and... You know, maybe if there's particular teachers that have been trained in the 70s, like how do we make sure that their knowledge is current and up-to-date and relevant and and appropriate and caring, you know, because it's almost like, yeah, like we did use whips back then. We don't need them anymore, yeah. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. something, you know, that mentality, we need to change that, which I know is hard, but like giving people the opportunity to. Yeah, that served us well, but not anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know how well we're being served. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. I'm just liking it to yeah. back to a personal thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the uh, the filter between what I think and what I think doesn't misses it, yeah, misses the mark. Yeah, for sure. Lovely. Well, um, I guess we're, we're probably starting to get towards mm. the end now. Maddie, what's... Um, what's in store for you in, in your future? What's, what's some goals or what do you oh. see... Maybe like stay where I am a little bit longer. Just um, just recently started in my job now. Um, I'd love to eventually get back into um, more therapy work. Um, maybe private practice on the cards. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But mm. I think to be honest, I'll probably stay in youth mental health. It seems to be my thing. Um, but yeah, obviously, I think for myself, continuing to like you know uh, train and develop and continue to address all my unconscious bias the biases that I have and and trying to do um, what is necessary to support people and kids appropriately so yeah we'll see how we go you forgot the most important thing you have to grow old with the bestest red kelpie that oh 100% wanted. yeah yeah he's getting grey and so will I we'll get grey together <laughs> beautiful well we yeah. might uh, wrap it up there Webby do you have anything else mate before we finish up no, I appreciate you being open with us and, and having a chat. I think we could probably dive into so many more topics or branches off topics and everything. I think yeah. it might have to be a regular occurrence yeah. of this, yeah. this podcast. I think. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, Thank you both to. for what you guys are doing as well. Like, it's a really hard space to be in when you've been, you know, raised a certain way. You have certain ideas that you've kind of grown up with. And to challenge that and be, like, mentors and be um, supportive and open for, like, future generations is amazing yeah so good job thank you thank you very much it's been lovely we might have to uh meet up another time and have a ask maddie segment or something (laughs) (laughs) i've got a few things ticking in my head we (laughs) might talk about it when the the recording stops beautiful good stuff all right guys thanks for listening hope you've enjoyed our chat today with maddie uh please reach out to us on our socials uh head noise official our website is www.headnoiseofficial.com.au And our email address is headnoiseofficial at gmail.com. Until next time, see ya. If you've liked this episode, please remember to follow our socials to receive notifications of new episodes and to see who we have coming on in the future. 
If you'd like to support the channel, you can head to the Head Noise official Patreon page to support our journey. That's www.patreon.com forward slash headnoiseofficial. On Patreon, we can let our fans become active participants in the work we love by offering monthly membership based on whatever price you feel comfortable paying. Any support is muchly appreciated and we thank everyone for their support.